Welcome to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast with your host, Patty. Today is the first installment of a series of episodes called The Performance Tribe, dedicated specifically to sports and performance nutrition. My first guest is Shane Finn, who is an ultra-endurance athlete and an absolute legend. He's run 24 marathons in 24 consecutive days, as well as from the west to the east coast of America. This is a fantastic episode with lots to learn, so sit back, relax, and listen up. What's going on, everyone? Hope you're all doing well. This is episode five, and today I have an amazing guest, an ultra-distance runner from Dingle in Kerry, and his name is Shane Finn. And when I say this fella is an absolute fucking legend, it's an understatement, and I do not put that lightly. He has ran over 100 marathons in his short, well, early young career, and he also has two other feats that are pretty uncomprehendable. Uncomprehendable. Hmm. I don't think that's a word. Anyway, he ran 24 marathons in 24 days in 24 different counties in Ireland. And that was all in aid of Spina Bifida Ireland, a charity which he has been contributing to for years with all his fundraising runs. And that was motivated by his cousin who suffers from the condition. And he gets into that throughout the podcast. But basically, his whole running career has been sparked by wanting to give back to others. And he's genuinely one of the most genuine people. I know I used it twice. People, though. The other feat was he ran from the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Sorry, ran and cycled in, like he alternated between the two, nonstop to Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Bridge. So that's from the west to the east coast of America. So yes, this fella is an ultra endurance athlete. I wanted to try to keep the podcast to 40 minutes because people have told me that they want that amount of time and they're not going to listen to longer. But today, I don't really care because this is a phenomenal podcast. So it's an hour and trust me when I say every single minute is worth it. We start with just talking about basic running, what his kind of past achievements are. And then we move on to some nutritional strategies and things that he you know, implemented both in the 24 and 24, just his typical day, and then how he changed and adapted in the West to East Coast America. And we just touch on how, firstly, the basics are so important. Secondly, how you need to listen to your own body. And while the principles are hugely important, when it comes to nutrition, each person is different and they'll react differently to different strategies. So listening to your body and individualizing techniques is a huge facet for any athlete and for just individuals in general. And then finally, we just finish it off with just really nice kind of, I suppose, tidbits about being grateful and his own outlook on life and how grateful he is just to be getting up every morning and being alive. So yeah, I I actually just finished recording with him right now and I'm on a high. I'm ready to go out and just go to the gym and smash some weight session and then go out and run my 10K. <laughs> yeah, he makes a 10K sound pretty um, small, but look, it's motivation. So this fella is an absolute legend. Go over and check his stuff out, but he'll mention all his outlets and where you can find them at the end of the podcast. But without further ado, Shane Finn. Cool. So we're here with Shane. Shane, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Exciting. Finally get to have a good chat. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to just tell us a small bit about yourself? And we just talked about some of your projects. There's a lot of them, but a quick summary of what you do. And uh, Yeah, what sure. 
Thanks, man. Um, so basically, I am from Whiskery. Uh, grew up here, still still live here for for the meantime. Uh, I suppose if I was to synopsize what I actually do, I, I help people uh, in many different ways. So I suppose my own background is in ultra endurance. Um, and people are like, what's, what's ultra endurance and endurance and stuff like that. Um, so I actually started running when I was about 18. Um, I ran my first marathon when I was 18 years old. Um, and basically the whole idea of that first marathon was to raise money for my cousin Mary, who has a condition called spina bifida and hydrocephalus. Um, so what is that? I hear you ask. Uh, basically, um, spina bifida is a split spine. Um, so when babies are born, um, their spine actually fuses together. Uh, up and down um, but in the spina bifida baby it just doesn't meet so the conditions can vary really um from you know very very severe to like what my cousin mary has to the md of aig europe actually has spina bifida but he leaves a perfectly normal life so it's a very very wide um kind of severity i guess really uh, and then basically hydrocephalus means uh, fluid on the brain so obviously you know your spine regulates a lot of fluid in your brain and if if uh, there's a spinal defect the chances of having hydrocephalus are also quite high so that's basically the the challenge that my cousin mary lives with she's um she's a tough cookie and i even i suppose even growing up as a child when we were very young do you know what i mean we had a great upbringing like a year in west Kerry, and like you know we would have been playing outside playing football and stuff and even as a young child I really vividly remember feeling bad because Mary couldn't you know play with us or anything like that so I always I suppose grew up knowing I love to do something um, and I literally out of nowhere one day was like I'm gonna run the Dinga marathon and at the time like I was playing football I was I wasn't a runner do you know what I mean I, I like I, I'm not a natural runner at all so I I think I ran Inch Beach twice which is about five miles if the tide is out and uh that was it before my first marathon and uh out of all the stuff i've done to this day that is the hardest thing i've ever done is that first marathon i i i, I can still feel like if i think deeply about it i can actually feel the pain i couldn't walk properly for probably two weeks after it um but it was one of the hardest things i've ever done but it was also one of the most rewarding things i've ever done and um, so basically that had a massive impact on my own life personally and um, literally from there i was studying science in college which i hated and i dropped out of that left it and i just said look you know as tough and all as that thing was i really enjoyed it and i think i actually prefer this fitness stuff you know what i mean instead of being in a lab dissecting rats on a tuesday morning i was like i actually prefer to be outdoors and doing something i enjoy you know yeah, yeah. so kind of it had a big big impact on my life really to be honest with you and people were like oh how could something like that have such an impact on you but it was the first time in my life, and I was only 18 when I think back at it, that I'd actually done something for myself. Um, and not only had I done something for myself, I'd also helped other people. So I think I raised 8,000 euros my first, char- my first wow. marathon. Wow. Um, and like from a fundraising aspect, I would finish work. I was working in the local fruit and veg part-time. I would finish work. I'd get in my car and start driving around West Kerry, and I would drive up to people's houses, knock on their doors, and say, I'm going running the Dingham Marathon for charity, and chance to give us some money. And I was just, when I think about it, I was just like, what was I doing? But it worked. Um, so literally from there then, like it was, uh, it just, I lost the run of myself, no pun intended. Um, you know, I, I suppose to now, fast forward to now, I kind of run marathons for fun. Um, I've run over a hundred marathons now um, between events, training, adventure days. I just go on myself. Um and yeah, look, it's, it was, it's really kind of curved my life into what I, and I've turned it into my life, now my work, my passion, my fun, my downtime, my, you know, my social time, everything kind of revolves around um, fitness for, and it's not for everybody, obviously, but you know, I, I enjoy what I do. Um, I suppose when I, when I look back, um, I probably shouldn't have made that, that, that jump. So I literally left with no plan. I just like, I'm out. I don't like this. I'll, I'll figure it out from here. Um, but I'm glad I did figure it out. Cause then I went back, you know, I just looked, got all my kind of PT certs, did strength conditioning, stuff like that. And I was just like, I much prefer this. Set up a business with my business partner, Mark. We ran a gym for six years. Loved every minute of it. Met some amazing people. Learned a lot. Um, and then from there, we had issues with the building, et cetera, et cetera. Issues with landlords. Lease was up. Wasn't being renewed. And it was just at a point where we sold the business. And then it, I had an opportunity to step away, um, which I did. And I was actually, I don't talk about it a lot. I was very apprehensive to do so because I was comfortable in the business. I had built it up. I knew everything was safe. I knew the numbers, knew the members, knew the clients. 
and I was literally jumping into this online world head first with, 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 with nothing. Um, so that summer, which was summer 2018, um, flew to New York to do an Ironman and stayed in a log cabin upstate New York for about a week. Um, it was like a garden shed, actually, to be honest, more so than a log cabin. But um, it proved to me one thing that I could actually live online um, and work online. And that was a good test for me. So yeah, I suppose and fast forward to today, um, I've a lot of crazy stuff done as well. Um, in 2014, I ran from Dublin to Lingle over 12 days. In 2017, I ran 24 marathons in 24 days. And, and most recently, um, a year ago, actually, it's a long time now, um, I biked and ran across America from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, and we've raised about 300 grand uh, for charity, which uh, is 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 pretty pretty amazing, and I say we because there's more to me involved in this stuff. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, it's and it's something I'm like, you know, I I still to this day, like even today, I feel like I'm just getting started. It's kind of weird, you know. I'm still excited every day. I'm still excited to do new things, meet new people, chat to you, get to know you, you know. And it's it's just uh, yeah, it's very exciting, and I I I actually deeply really enjoy what I do. So yeah, it's good it's good fun amazing man that's amazing and i suppose just before we go into that the 12 and 12 and the 24 and 24 which i just can't even fucking comprehend <laughs> just what you're saying there where you were in your first year of college and you knew it wasn't what you were supposed to do but i suppose you were conforming to what is the usual mm-hmm. kind of pathway i think there's a lot of people that have the same thing where i actually get a lot of people reaching out to me just asking me how i got into nutrition and i went through yeah. the you know the four years of doing something i didn't know exercise science where I didn't really know if I wanted to do that heard about this nutrition job and you know got into it that way but a lot of people are probably in their first and second year doing business or some kind of thing they don't want to do what would your advice be to them would it be to to start doing it while they're keeping their college on or to to Mm. just go all in at the start I'd never ever recommend anybody to like, oh, you should drop out of college I'm not I like I never try to glorify it because I remember just being ashamed of myself for dropping out of college you know what I mean it took me a while to actually be okay with it myself um and it was something my father actually said to me um I remember coming home telling them I was like I didn't even tell them actually I, I drove home and my mom was like would you have a busy week next week I was like no not really because I'm, I'm gone <laughs> and uh she was like all right did you not think about it I was like no I thought about it and my dad was like I thought my dad was gonna kind of go mad like you know I felt bad because my parents had paid for accommodation they paid yeah. the fees you know kind of that stuff and uh, my dad just turns around and he goes, geez, fair play to you. And I was like, all right. And he goes, yeah. He said, well, you were supposed to be in college for four years. He said, you're on your own. He said, you can figure it out. And that was like, I was like, whew. I was like, right, okay. I, I, I can actually kind of do my own thing. Yeah. If somebody, if a young person struggling, I think it's an Irish thing as well. Um, I'm very lucky to do some work over in Connecticut, actually, um, which, which, which you're familiar with, um, with a university over there. Um, and it's a different dynamic. I just feel, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, I do feel that the students in the US are a little bit more invested in the niche thing that they're studying. Um, I just feel sometimes in Ireland that students just go to college to go to college yeah. um, for the crack, the party, and wherever their friends are going. Don't get me wrong, students all over the world do that, and rightly so. Um, but I just think when students, this is what I've noticed, students in the US, they have a clear vision kind of of where they want to go the minute that they leave college. And I just feel that sometimes in Ireland, we just get a little bit lost with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, does it come from guidance when we're younger? Not sure. Um, does it come from the cost of education? Maybe. Um, but if you are, I suppose, you know, struggling a little bit, I would just figure out something that you're passionate about um, and go all in on that. So obviously, you know, if you want to become a doctor, you're going to have to go to medical school. You can't just drop out and say, I want to be a doctor anyway. But, you know, if you're studying something broad and you're understanding that maybe it's not really for me, I made the call early because I was like, look, I'm a year in. I'm going to cut my losses here. Um, if you're three or four years in, probably better finishing out, but using the skills that you've learned to maybe morph into something that you want to be um, rather than just kind of sitting there and jumping off the conveyor belt after four years and then trying to figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. So use the time wisely really would be my, my, my recommendation. That's great advice. Great advice. I think there's just, just like you say, there's a lot of people in Ireland who are just kind of going through the, the pathway that's expected of them. And just going to college into these courses that they don't really, they just don't, mm, they don't love. I like, I even remember somebody like close enough to my family, like some, somebody said something like, oh, Shane's dropped out of college. And I go, oh, why, did, why did he do that? And he's like, because he wanted to. It's like, oh, would he not have stayed? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't want to stay. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So like, yeah. 
do you know but i do know i know people i went i was i'm still friends with the lads because we used to run i used to run in ul and then we used to play football and stuff as well so i'm still friends with the lads i was in ul with and a couple of them you know i've met them since and they're like man you made such a good call getting out of that like we yeah. hated we hated the last two three years you know what i mean yeah um so you know it's just it's just interesting because i thought at the time like oh, just my life is over do you know what i mean but in fact it was only after starting you know so it's different for everyone i guess well i tell you like i come out of college and you approach your graduation and you're like geez i'm gonna have all these prospects now lined up ready to go nothing happens and when you start um, going out on your own the educational part has very little effect on anything um, you're doing you know, so yeah. it's, I think it's, yeah, it's very interesting. So, but look, like you say, it's not telling everyone you should just drop out and go at it. You could start it while going through your course as well. You know, you can start Absolutely. taking those steps. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if anybody's, if anybody, this is just a random tangent here, but if anybody has any interest in this kind of stuff, I don't know if you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast. Um, I do. You yeah, Tim yeah. Ferriss. You should scroll back and listen to his conversation with Patrick Collison, the founder of Stripe from Limerick one of the richest young men in the world. And he talks about this a lot and it's very, very good. It's like a three hour podcast, but it's oh, class. Really? I've listened to twice. Yeah. It's very, very good. Now he is highly intelligent. You can tell by the way he speaks, his brain works. He's on, he's on another planet, yeah. but he talks about this quite a lot. Um, and he left, like he didn't even go to college. You know what I mean? Okay, so yeah. now he did go back when he was like 26 or something, but um, yeah, he has some interesting topics on that too. Class, class. Yeah. Geez, I listened to that. I haven't heard that one now. It's very good. Yeah, I had to scroll back a bit to get it, but it's definitely yeah. worth it. Excellent, excellent. Right, so I suppose we're going to this absolute madness of the 24 <laughs> and 24, because yeah. I just, I can't get over it. So what was that whole yeah. experience like? It was, a, it was a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest, Patrick. Like, when I started first, like, again, I, 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 I something feels weird for me to say this sometimes, but I was running just one-half marathons, and I knew, like, to raise more money, I need to do something a bit fucking mad really yeah. to be honest do you know what I mean yeah. to do something different to capture people's attentions um, and the idea for the 12 first of all came when I myself and my business partner Mark we set up the gym huge 7,000 square foot training facility class oh, we're wow. loving it and I went to a seminar in Dublin and we had just bought a van for the gym like a, like a nice little van Volkswagen Caddy and anyways I drove up to Dublin literally just bought the van and I left the seminar and the van wouldn't start I was like for fuck's sake so as every young Irish fella does, I rang my dad, I was like, what's the story with this thing? And he was just like, I told you not to buy that. Uh, you can fucking find your own way home now. Um, so anyway, I was just like, fuck it. So the AA came and fixed it or whatever. And I got home and I was just like, run home. And I was like, Jesus, you can find it. I was like, so I clocked it from Dublin down to Dingle. I was like, Jesus, only nine marathons. I said, I'd have to come down the old Dublin road. Um, so about a couple of weeks later, I went the long way home, like off the motorways. And it came to 11 marathons. So I was like, boom, that's it. I'm going to run from Dublin to Dingle. So we did that in 2014. I raised 30 grand. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned as well that I was only kind of starting to get going towards the end of it. My body had only adapted towards the end. And I was very new to this ultra running stuff, the multi-day stuff specifically. Um, and then actually didn't do anything for a couple of years. I went back in on the business and we were, you know, things were going really great and stuff like that. And it was of Christmas Christmas and uh, New Year of 2015 to 2016. Um, my cousin Mary and her family were here uh, over Christmas and just randomly, you know, Dingle's a kind of a popular place for people to go, you know, during holidays and stuff. Um, we randomly bumped into one of my cousin Mary's doctors. Um, okay. We were out for dinner and they happened to be in there as well for dinner, completely random. But when I think about it, all this weird stuff just all kind of fits together really well. Yeah. Um, and anyways, so we got chatting and I had a brief chat to him and said, hello and stuff like that. And he said, oh, are you the cousin that does the running? And I was like, yeah, that's me. And uh, anyways, we, we were kind of, both of us were starting, they were kind of starting to leave. And he, we stayed back for a sec, just having a couple of words. And he said, look, he said, I don't know like how much you know, but you know, she talks about you all the time. And, uh, and then the conversation was finishing and he said, I also don't know if you know, but he said, your cousin, like she feels the feeling of pain 24 hours a day. And that was like, you know, like Jesus. it was one of those moments in my life I'll never forget. It was like, it's like, boom, everything slowed down. You know, it was, I was just like, it almost for me was like, do you know that uh, everybody talks about like they remember where they were when they heard about 9-11? Yeah. That, that was like another one of those moments for me. Do you know what I mean? I remember yeah. vividly everything. I was just like, and I remember that whole Christmas was basically ruined for me because my mind was just like, what? Like, 
I haven't even like, what can I do? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, why can't we do something to help this girl? Yeah. And I remember literally it took me about two weeks. I was like 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day. I said, boom, that's it. I said, I'm going to do 24 marathons in 24 days, um, 24 different counties in Ireland to represent one hour in a day. Uh, of somebody with a disability and their oh, family, man, because yeah. it's not just my cousin Mary who who has to fight this. It's her parents, her brother and sister. It's everybody. Do you know what I mean? Um, and at this stage, I was getting to know more more families and stuff as well through the charity around Ireland. And uh, so that's where the idea of twenty four came from. Um, and kind of went into it, like you know, you Google this stuff. There's no training plan like for this stuff. Do you know what I mean? So we had the gym at the time, and I was very lucky that the two lads that were one guy's working for us and my business partner, Mark, were just like fully on. Like they were the first guys I ran the idea by because like if it wasn't cool with them, I couldn't really, it'd be irresponsible of me to head off for like four weeks running yeah, around Ireland. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the boys were on board. They actually, they were like, look, if you don't do it, we're, we'll be even more annoyed with you. you know, it's such a cool thing, like great experience. Great. Um, so, and then came to the family and they were like, yeah, class. And I was just like, right, that that's, they're the only people I need really in my corner, you know? So, um, went for it, started planning it. It was the, it was kind of one of the very early like these events are happening a lot now in ireland it was kind of one of the early ones so it really captured people's attentions and um, again from a training perspective i just trained hard i got really fit i tried to stay injury free as i could um like tested some things out they didn't work tested some things out they did work um i presume we'll get into nutrition stuff as well but like my nutrition all through all these things has changed i'm always learning like what yeah. works what doesn't work um and yeah we, we we got through it i mean it was tough i mean it, i remember like not knowing what day of the week it was just like it was either my life was like day 15 day 16 day 20 yeah. didn't know saturday sunday didn't fucking matter what it was it was just like it was in another day um but i took every day as it came and broke it down into you know four ten days a day when you look at it that way it's like oh that's actually manageable i could do that you know um but a couple of things were like you know like the the terrain was obviously a thing it was very hilly nearly all the time um ran my fastest marathon on day 19 um we raised like 142 grand which was the single biggest fundraiser the charity had ever had um and it just yeah it was just it was madness like the the way it, what 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 caught me was the way it captured people's attention like yeah. the way people got behind it. it kind of blew me away to be honest with you because like I remember at, towards the end, it was getting more and more, I, look as well, I suppose people are like, right, he might actually do this thing. Like he might actually finish it. Um, and as it was getting closer to the end, more like high profile people were starting to reach out and get involved. And like, like John Kavanagh invited us into the gym. We were passing through Dublin. Um, like the Kerry football team came to my hotel the night after, like the second last night. The Kilkenny hurlers came to my hotel, like when I was in Kilkenny. Like it was just Jesus. mad, like Class. mad stuff. Like Michael Conlon like sent me a, a video the night before his two nights before his world title fight in Madison Square Garden. Wow! All this kind of crazy. I'm just like, oh, this is so weird. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I was just, I really loved it. I really did love it. Um, and with all these highs, there's obviously lows afterwards as well. Like you finish, like everything's gone back to normal mm. like you're just back working, you know, and I was, I couldn't wait to go back to my little world. Um, but then as well, when you look at it from a like big picture, when these things do finish, there's a kind of realization there as well that like I, my life goes back to normal, but my cousin has to get up and start her fight again tomorrow morning. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't end for her. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something else in the pipeline there's all like, and you know what? I love it. I love like, I love pushing myself. I love finding out what I can do. Um, we, we'll chat about America as well, but I remember like, I remember the 24 marathon. I was very confident. I was very, very confident. I can finish it. Um, I was very confident. I was going to complete it and get it done, hit the fundraising target, et cetera, et cetera. I was sitting on the plane going over to America and I remember just looking out the window being like, there's a massive chance I might not do this. So that was a very different dynamic. Um, but yeah, the 24 marathons was great. I mean, we, we like, I love that. Met some phenomenal people, learned a lot about myself and, uh, yeah, to be honest, I mean, look, if it came to it, I'd, I'd start it again tomorrow morning if I could. Really? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And yeah. so with, and you said you were very confident going in, but heading over to America to do the San Francisco to Brooklyn bridge, it was yeah. you were less confident. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm, I'm a very open person anyway. It's the only time in my whole life I've ever had like an anxiety issue was about a week before I started across America. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I suppose the thing that gives me confidence is my, my training. I've done, you know, when I do the work, I get confident. That's it. Simple yeah. as, do you know what I mean? So like 
the America, the idea to cross America came very quickly after the 24 marathons. I was actually in Boston, would you believe? And I drove to Connecticut for two days down to Fairfield to the university. It's about halfway between New York and Boston. Um, and we were in the town, lovely little town right on the ocean. And, uh, I was just out in this cafe when I was just there chilling out. I was like, ah, 24 marathons done. I was like, this class, like everything's all good. We got a phone call from the charity saying that the, their lotto funding had been cut. Fucking 55K or something gone oh, from the funding. And they use that 55K every year to do summer camps for the kids. And not only is it a summer camp, it's also like a respite week for the parents. So it's a very important thing that they do every year. So now the funding cut was going to come in two years, which meant the year I did the America trip was the year that the summer camps weren't going to happen. So that's when I came up with the idea to do America. I was like, I was very annoyed because we had just, you know, we just finished running around Ireland um, about two months previously and raised a ton of cash and um, helped a lot of people, gave a lot of people reasons to smile and be happy. Um, and it was just kind of felt like there was a bit of a, a, a stab in the back. You know what I mean? So I was just like, for me, like I'd be, you know, I'd be very in tune with my thoughts and stuff. I was like, this is a sign. Like you're, you're not done. Do you know what I mean? You, you have to go again. Like, um, and I was kind of thinking and I was, I went for a walk on the beach and, uh, looking out into the ocean it just, just literally hit me within like a 10 minutes. I was just like, that's it. Like. America, do you know I mean coast to coast? Like my initial idea was to go from San Fran to Boston because I have a lot of family in Boston, but it just wasn't going to work out. So we went to San Fran to New York City, um, and you know when I opened up Google Maps, America's a big place like compared to Ireland. I think driving from Dublin to Dingle is a long drive. Like you should you should try cycling across across America. Um, but then the idea was you know to try and cover at least the fifty k that the um raise at least the fifty k that the charity had lost. Um, through the lotto funding and I understood as well just from my kind of business background that I knew there was going to be more costs associated with crossing the US um, but from a PR perspective it was great because with massive Irish communities I've got fairly good connections in the Irish communities both in San Francisco and in New York and Boston so I was like it makes sense you know yeah. As plus I've done a lot in Ireland over the last couple of years so I, I mean I can't keep running, running around Ireland asking people for money. So um, it was good to get to the US. I mean, so the plan, the way we broke down America was I, I would cycle 250K a day for four days. Um, and then I would run 60K a day for, for two days. Um, so that's six days. And I repeated that six times. Um, so it was 36 days nonstop all the way through the whole continent. We did get snowed in one day in, in Colorado. And it was huge snowstorms and there was a statewide federal federal warning. So basically, if you went out the road and something happened to you and the police had to come and get you or something like that, or the fire firemen, um, you'd be prosecuted basically for going oh, out Jesus. with a weather warning. So we couldn't even we couldn't even attempt it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, maybe if I just like walked 10k, like I'd take a chunk, and they're like, you, you you cannot go on the road. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> that was a bit of a uh, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth because I was just starting to make progress through the Rockies. Um, that was the only kind of issue we had, which meant I had to like bike a couple of nights and stuff after that. Um, but look, we got it done. It was a phenomenal experience. I loved it. I loved America. America was such a great experience. Like I, similar to 24, like if someone rang me and they're like, here, listen, pack your bikes, we're going back there, going back to repeat that. I'd be like, cool, let me just, let me just pack my coffee and I'll be on my way. Do you know what I mean? So Jesus. yeah, it was a great experience. I loved it. And you make it sound very glamorous, but like, I'm sure there was, there was like it was days or segments where you're yeah so what's kind of like the some low points where you're was there or if there were any where you were about to be like where you yeah couldn't go um, on you didn't think you could yeah i remember there was a lot more lows in america than there were in the 24 marathons and i'll tell you why because in the 24 i was nearly always surrounded by people um and i'd be very i'd be very uh I'd be very kind of individual person anyway. Like I yeah. do all my training there basically on my own. You know, I, I love spending time on my own. And I'm mm -hmm. like every, I think it's just kind of a, it's, it's, a, it's a male thing. Look, lads just like having their own time themselves or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had people running with me and it was stuff was great. So the time passed. I was like nine days into America where I hadn't like still hadn't seen anybody. Do you know what I mean? Other than the crew. You know, and there were days in America where we would go a whole day and maybe see three cars, like in Kansas or something, and like a truck or something, or might pass a farm or something. Um, so it was a very different dynamic. But the low points about day nine, um, I actually strained my Achilles quite badly. Oh, yeah, um, I read that, yeah. Yeah, we climbed, 
I climbed on the bike for three days, <laughs> three days straight uphill. Um, as I was kind of getting out of the Sierra Nevadas and heading for heading for Colorado, um, and that just my Achilles just got angry because it was just press, press. There was no, there wasn't much of a reprieval like flats, yeah. downhills, anything like that. Um, and it was just that was a tough time. So you know, my foot was actually strapped to the bike basically. Um, and like when I'd finished, like the crew like would have to grab me, and then I clip out, and then I get off the bike, you know. So that was a bit of a disaster. And to be honest, if my physio Ali wasn't with us, um, I don't, I don't know, I don't think I get, I'd, I'd have gotten it done. To be honest, because um, like she worked on me probably five times a day. Um, like if I stopped for food, like she was working on it. Um, by in the morning, by night, like she'd be working on it, and I'd be gone to sleep. Like I'd have fallen asleep, and she'd still be working my Achilles. Um, so oh that God. was, you know, Jesus. not not. If she wasn't there, it probably would have been a short, would have been flying home from, I don't know, Nevada or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. Wow. Um, that, and then I suppose as well, a couple of other things happened. Like I kind of lost the feeling in, in both my baby fingers and the in, inside finger, um, just from the handlebars of the bike, just nerve pressure. Um, so that brought its own challenges. I kind of, you know, my, my reaction times kind of went a little bit, just little things like that. The weather, um, so mixed, like one day it could be 30 degrees. Next day, like my eyelashes are, are freezing over and my water is frozen on my bike. Um, so it was just so mixed. Um, yeah. But the one positive I took out of it that, it, and again, people were so, so kind to us over there. Like people were so nice. Not once, not once in America did we get any problem, any issue. Not once did somebody beep on us on the road. Not once. We wow. get a lot more of that in Ireland. Than we, I thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought people yeah, were going to yeah, be yeah. screaming at us to get off the roads over in America. Not once in 36 days, not one person shouted at us, screamed at us, told us to get off the road. Um, like we pulled into campsites and stuff that night to set up camp to kind of sleep and eat. Um, people would come over because they'd see the Irish flag and they'd be like, What the hell are you guys doing here? Like, what are the bikes for? Like, what's why is this guy like hobbling around the place? Uh, <laughs> and we would tell them out there, and they'd, they'd be really interested. Like, they would say, Oh my god, like that's amazing, and you know, they're very supportive and stuff like that. So it was a it was an unreal experience, but there was a lot of there was a lot. It was a long it was a long trip. And I mean, again, I suppose the, the the worst part of the whole thing in America was the first day, because we cycled from. I'm not sure if anybody knows the geography of California. I went started on the Golden Gate Bridge and headed for San Antonio, and then on to Sacramento. Um, and again, it was all great plans, and we had the whole thing planned out and whatnot. And I got to Sa I got to San Antonio, and the traffic. I was like, "What is going?" It's like eleven o'clock in the morning. I was like, "What mm. the hell is going on here?" And um, the whole, like, one of the main strips in the city had been shut down because there was a guy shot, like, in broad daylight, in middle, oh, out in the old Republic. So I got up and I was in the traffic. I was there on my bike, like, fresh as a day as a young Irish lad heading for New York. And I got up with the cop. I said, I'm so, like, where, where, like, can I just cycle up along the sidewalk or the footpath there? And he was like, no, you're going to have to go, like, around this way and that way and that way. And I was just like, are you sure? He goes, he goes, sir, this is, somebody just got shot here an hour ago. So I was just like, all right, um, I'll, uh, I'll head away so and I'll go around this way. But it had on about an hour to my trip that day. And then I got to Sacramento, uh, last phone coverage, got separated from the crew, ended up down beside some, some, some canal. Um, I actually clipped out of my bike at one stage and I was like up to my shin in water. I ended up like beside a river or something like that in the pitch dark. Lights had gone on my bike, batteries were gone. Um, no phone coverage, didn't know where the crew was, didn't know what part of Sacramento I was in. Um, and I got to a petrol station, I reversed back around, got out to the main road, got to a petrol station. I was sitting down on the road being like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah, um, yeah. So I started looking around, looking for like a McDonald's or something to try to get their free Wi-Fi. And this guy, this man came out of a, um, out of the shop. And he, I was just sitting on the curb, soaking wet, light, like just sitting there in like a yellow cycling jacket with my helmet down on the ground. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, is there any chance I could use your phone? And he was just like, where are you from? What's the story of the accent? I was like, oh, I'm from Ireland. I just got separated from my crew. I'm heading for New York. He was like, man, he said, you're a long fucking way from New York. <laughs> so he let me use my, his phone and I rang the crew and I was about 45 minutes away from them. So there's no way I would have found them in the dark. And I remember going to sleep that night, Jesus. night number one, being like, I'm in for some fucking month. Um, now, luckily after that, there wasn't many more like communication breakdowns. or I didn't get lost as badly any more than that yeah um, but i remember that first night being like it's gonna be a long long trip to new york but um other than that uh, there was no real there was nothing really bad that happened to be honest i didn't crash or no falls or anything like that thank god 
where like that first hiccup is probably good. It was probably good for you because yeah. it didn't, you made sure it didn't happen. You probably took extra precautions so it didn't happen again. Just like you said, it didn't. Pissed you know? off. I was pissed off with the guy who worked in AT&T in, in, in San Francisco because I asked him, I was like, look, I need a, a SIM card for my phone that has full phone coverage across the whole country. Your man was like, gave me the whole spiel and he's like, it's going to work. Three hours into the first day, boom, no service. I was like, I, I was actually going to cycle back and <laughs> back from. But anyways, I am actually, the next time I get to California, I'm going to go into the shop and say, I hope he's still working there because I am going to, I am going to go back to him because that really bothered me through the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Phone yeah. coverage was terrible. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's not, it's not the be all end all. Yeah. All right. So I suppose we'll have to do some bit of nutrition. So, and I think a lot of people <laughs> would be wondering how the fuck you fueled your body to do 24. So what yeah. were some of the basic strategies you took? And actually, did you work with someone? Yeah, so do you know what? A lot of the stuff I I did before the 24, it was a lot of trial and error. And there was even more trial and error going to America because I understood that I could have improved on what I did with the 24. So what I did with the 24 was I went very, very high carb yeah. um, in beforehand, uh, in training, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I wasn't, I just knew from training, I was like, right, I actually remember one time going to my GP. This, I, I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead now that I'll go back to the about two weeks after I finished the 24 marathons. And I know my GP very well. I, I do a lot of testing with him and stuff. And he took my blood, my blood results. And uh, he rang me. He was like, you need to come in now. And I was just like, I was like you're joking, are you? He said, you need to come in straight away. I was like, all right, I'm on my way. So he came in and he told me I had the liver function of a 40-year-old alcoholic. This is a guy in his mid-twenties who doesn't drink, drinks maybe once or twice a year, who just run around the country thinking he was like, it was very fit, very lean. Um, but on the inside, it was a different story. So we kind of went through a lot of stuff. We, you know, I was going over back to him. I was literally going in visiting him daily for about a week afterwards trying to figure out what the story was. Um, and he's a fairly in tune. I know people, GPs get a bit of slack, but he's very, very in tune. And, you know, he would ask me about my heart rates and my recovery and my nutrition. And, you know, and he was saying how he agreed that, you know, he... I needed a very high carbohydrate consumption during this, but he was like the amount of sugar I was putting into my body, he said was probably having a negative effect on what was going on internally. So after that, like I, I obviously about two weeks, like I think I was still very, I was still over, like I was still fatigued, still like I was highly, highly overtrained, you know? So I was still, my body was still probably a bit angry anyway. You know what I mean? So I said, look, I said, let's not jump to anything. Like, can we just retest again in about two weeks? And, you know, I rested, I slept a lot. I put my weight back on again. And lo and behold, the results started to come back down to normal, which, you know, thank God was, was great. I spent the day in the hospital and really like getting tested and stuff as well. Cause we didn't know what was, what was going on, you know? Um, and my dad also has a condition called hemochromatosis, which some of your listeners might be um, familiar with. So we were just a little bit worried about a couple of things like that. Um, and then it got me thinking from an, from an athletic standpoint, I was like, you know, I just done this thing that I loved. It was very tough, but I was like, long term, like what what's what are the repercussions here for me? Um, and I just knew just from training and so obviously my own my own stuff that I could look very fit, I could look really lean, I could be moving really well. But you know, the real marker for health for me is what's going on inside my body, yeah, yeah. not what I look like in the mirror or not what I look like when I'm out running. You know, and um, so I really wanted to address that. So what I started to do was. I started to kind of just mess around a little bit and I completely removed all supplements, all gels, everything. I just went as clean as I could, as natural as I could, ate everything, you know, ate plenty, fresh fish, fresh meat, fresh veg, everything. I made everything as fresh as I could um, and I saw massive changes. And then I suppose as I was, you know, doing a lot of research into kind of ultra endurance and stuff like that, when I, I, I crossed America, the polar opposite nutritionally than what I, when I ran around Ireland. Um, I took a more lower carb approach to crossing America. Okay. Um, it, you know, even going into it, I was still a bit apprehensive because I knew the research was like a bit, it was a bit biased. Let's just put it that way towards ultra endurance and towards Ironman and stuff like, and still like a lot of the top athletes in the world were still all very high carb and stuff like that. Um, but I was like, went back to my GP is like, look, can we, do more blood tests through this kind of year of training for this thing and everything started to get better um every, all the markers were starting to improve and i hadn't changed much i hadn't changed my training much but i was just eating a lot cleaner i'd like i would stop taking like 
loads of gels and shakes and recovery shakes. And I just went back to basics, really. I kept okay. it as clean and simple as I could. Um, my sleep was a big thing as well. I worked on that a lot. Um, so ran around Ireland, high-ish carb, went across America. I'm not going to say it was low carb, but it was definitely lower. Um, you know, so, you know, training for America, because my intensity was so low, I was using fat as a fuel source predominantly you know i wasn't going out hammering it for 40 minutes like flat yeah. out using all carbohydrate i was going out like really easy for like four or five six hours running like yeah. really easy so my heart rate would be quite low I wasn't dipping too much into those glycogen stores anyway so i just found that i could go for hours um, and not like bonk basically um so i worked on my kind of fat adaptation a bit um and it did stand to me towards the end now i will say i will say um, having a year to kind of review the whole thing, I probably would change a couple of things. If I was to go to America again next week, I would change a couple of things. Um, I would probably do some kind of carb cycling in the middle of it or something like that, or okay. reintroduce carbs later in the day. Um, cause I lost a lot of weight in the last third crossing America. Um, nice. and that had a bit of a negative effect on my on my, on my nutrition, on my energy and my recovery. Um, but other than that, like even in America, still, I said no gels, um did introduce a whey protein supplement just from a recovery standpoint and yeah. um, but you know trying to eat really clean across america is kind of hard to be honest because you know there's a lot of walmart's wendy's that kind of stuff do you know what i mean Um i tried to put away about eight thousand calories a day plus or minus it was tough i figured out i don't know if any of your listeners are more uh, into their uh, endurance sports but i could eat a lot more on the cycling days um, so the days that I was cycling, because I was in a more of a seated position, I could put away serious amounts of food. Um, and then the days I was running, because you're moving a little bit more, I couldn't put away as much food. Because yeah. um, you, know, you can't just eat. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, on your the stomach bike, could be upset as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. On, literally, when we're in America, like we kind of change nutritional strategies as we're going. I was just like, guys, I, I, need, I need more. I need more food. So the bike days, like I would stop for, like we say, my lunch at one o'clock, and it would be like a six-egg omelet with like ham, cheese, like I'd have like two protein bars, like a brownie, scoop of ice cream and a coffee. And then I'm back on the bike again for like another five or six hours. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and then, you know, a burger that night or a pizza or something like that. Just, just, was just a matter of getting as many calories as I could into me. Um, and which was interesting as well. I, I noticed in Ireland when I was doing a very high carb and I, this is all anecdotal, my own personal opinion, my appetite was quite poor. Um, but I noticed in America, I didn't have any appetite discrepancies. Like my appetite was pretty steady through the whole thing. Okay. Like I felt the feeling of hunger, yeah. um, which is good during these things because sometimes you can kind of forget to like eat or forget to get enough calories in. Um, and then one little thing I added in towards the end because I was conscious I was losing weight was I just kind of started going back. We like we bought a smoothie maker one day in like a Walmart for like twelve dollars. So I started adding in some you know nut butter and stuff to that and trying to get more calories in through a smoothie because yeah. you can just drink it and you can add in an extra 500 calories a day or whatever so yeah it was interesting like the the whole nutrition for this kind of stuff for me i'm still learning like i've been doing it for 10 years now and i'm still testing things out like i'm still trying things do you know what i mean yeah um yeah. but yeah it's definitely like it is i it, you know and i think it's, it's not like a generalized approach i do think it is very individual um the principles are the principles but i also think you need to put your own you know your own little swing in it and, and i suppose for anybody listening like my recommendation would be to to, to test 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 everything try things out don't be afraid to change um and, and maybe not not get too stuck in one particular way um because that would have happened to me in the past but like oh this guy is like this is the only way to do it i was like you know when you look at it from the outside there are probably two or three ways you could do it and mm -hmm. it's what suits you the best you know yeah well i think yeah you give a lot of important insights to it because you know Whereas someone might have one or maybe two marathons a year where they're trying different things. You had 24 mm -hmm. and 24 days. So you were able to see right away mm -hmm. the different effects of different strategies, but you're complete. I think I couldn't agree more that, you know, the principles are the principles, but the principles are based off research that's on individuals and different individuals yes. react differently. So that's a great yes. point. I think. Yeah. 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 And I think as well, like, you know, um, in, in general, like there's a lot of, um, I, you know, I think you agree with this as well, Patrick in, in nutrition, like there's a lot of, a lot of marketing there as well. And, and you know, like if, if you believe in something, if you, you'll find a study to back it up. Yes. If yes. you believe in something, you know what I mean? So I've really tried to put all, you know, I suppose any kind of, I suppose, ways of thinking to bed really over the last year and a half. I'm just like, look, 
you are you you got to find out what works well for you and and and, and take that do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's why i'm actually i don't know if you've noticed i like i rarely rarely give nutrition advice on social media rarely very very rarely i might say like this worked for me but might not work for you yeah. because i i know it's so individual and yeah. people are yeah. probably better off going to somebody like yourself learning the principles seeing what works for them getting to know their numbers and then going into the kind of one percenters from there you know that's that's a really good point uh, but there's a lot of people that would be in a position where they have a lot of a big following like yourself that they probably they don't take that advice and you you would even yeah. have a lot more nutritional knowledge than a lot of influencers will say out there and they yeah. can, a lot of people will buy into what they're doing even if it's just sure. their own routine sure. like well, well i got it like for example just only recently i got a, a message from a, a woman you know was saying oh like she was doing a lot of fasted training and i was just like it's great like you'll you get burning fat but like you need to understand i just messaged her back privately as like you're a woman like you've you've got a menstrual cycle and things like you need to be very careful like doing fasted training as yeah. like the research there for women in fasted training is actually pretty limited there's not a lot there a lot of it's done on men so you need to be really careful and um, i said you should definitely like seek professional advice before you go down that road too far mm-hmm. um so i just like i that's what i really get across to people is you know uh, don't get stuck in one way like stay yeah. open-minded like keep testing things keep finding out what works for you and um, i just like i i see people all the time getting like oh this is the only way and like that's why i never really engage and like, <laughs> it's kind of like online debates i'm just like look you can argue away about it lads but this is what works for me and you know if it doesn't work for you cool you got to figure out what works for you and, and and go from there you know yeah I, I remember one time i went up to my friend in galway visiting him and he's big into nutrition as well and he was drinking a can of monster and I was one of these people before I went into college studying nutrition that I was very, I would adopt a mindset and no matter what I would, it was like, I kind of would wield it. But he was like, well, the research right now says there's nothing dangerous about artificial sweeteners, but tomorrow if something comes out and it says otherwise, I have to be ready to not drink monster. And he's like, I am. And then if the next day a study comes out and they say the agreement is that it is, or that it is fine. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have no opinions. I yeah. go by what it's, you know, I, I'm ready to change it to flip of a hat. And he's like, that's what's important in nutrition. And I, that kind of sat with me and I was like, wow, that's, that's a really good point. It, it, really interesting point on that. Actually, I'll just add this in as well. And ju- just so people know, like I, I'm, my background is in personal training and, and strength conditioning, not, not nutrition or my, 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 my qualifications in nutrition would be very basic compared to what you have. And a lot of it is personal research and testing things, but being okay with changing your view on things i think is very important yeah because for example um i i spent a, an eight-week block uh training in the 24 marathons meat free because i just wanted to see what it was like and it didn't work for me i i i just lost a bit of weight I, it went now when i wasn't even body fat it was i just lost a bit of muscle yeah i just didn't feel good um but you know there could be somebody listening to this that's plant-based and they're smashing it and yeah good for you like you keep doing that great work but i'm not going to go on and demonize like saying oh vegans are wrong yeah because i'm like look i tried it didn't work for me ran around the whole country of ireland high carb completed it went across america lower carb completed it the only difference between the two is i recovered a little bit quicker from america than i did from running around ireland but i'm not saying that was nutrition i was i was probably more trained i was probably a bit more savvy with my recovery it's probably a bit smarter mm-hmm. you know um so just be, being able to put your hand up and say yeah this is what i did before and it might not be correct now but here's what i here's what i'm doing now um and it seems to be working pretty well for me like i could, we could have a chat in a year's time i i could be like oh yeah geez like that approach i had in america wouldn't recommend it but at the time it worked well about you know so yeah. It's been able to adapt and not be afraid of, like I just see in fitness, you probably see it as well, Patrick, with our line of work. There's just people out there that are, they're, they're just like, they have their shield and their sword and like anybody that comes at them with a different mindset or a different view, like it's just fight, fight, fight. And I'm just like, I'm just not about that. I'm just like, eh, it works for you, man. Like go for it, dude. Go for yeah. it. Like best yeah. of luck to you. Like keep doing what you're doing because yeah. it doesn't work for me, but if it works for you, great stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's yep. a great point. Yeah. Uh, very important. So I suppose I just have two more questions and I'll let you back sure. to your pack day. But in terms of just a general, we'll say middle distance, long distance runner, what are just some daily habits, not necessarily race days. What are just some daily habits that you practice? We'll say nutritionally 
I mean, you could go into sleep and hydration as well, but just some basic ones for young athletes, maybe. Yeah, here's an interesting one. I, I, I think a lot of people don't eat enough. And some people are like, you know, geez, why you can't be saying that? It's like, it's probably like, it's, it's worth talking about because especially women, I don't think women eat enough um, for the training load that they're doing. Um, you know, again, women like hormonally have a lot of other stuff going on. Um, then you like you go into the whole thing, oh, you want to put on weight and stuff like that. So it's a bit of a, a mad thing. But if I was actually recommending anything to any kind of a runner or anybody who's training hard for something would be to maybe eat a little bit more. Like, you're, you know, it's not as if you're going to be piling on the pounds because you're training. If anything, it'll have a positive effect on you because, you know, you'll be able to recover a little bit more. You'll be able to train harder the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just seen quite a lot. Like, you know, I've been lucky enough again to work with that college in the US and just seeing like their girls cross country team is one of the best in the state. And, you know, the amount of like they're doing a research project with them for four years, like when they come in at like first uh, fresh year, fresher freshman or whatever, they come in and start to when they leave, like and they're putting these nutritional protocols in place to them, strength training, recovery, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And the rate of stretch factors from year one to year three is like almost kind of gone now. Which wow. is really it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And this is just an internal kind of study they're doing and like the, the PT students, the uh, physical therapy students are kind of helping with it and stuff as well. Really interesting. And basically all they're doing is they're they're consuming more calories, they're resting a bit more, they're training a little bit less. Um so just listen to your body. And um, that'd be the next thing. I suppose uh, when for me, like people always ask me, like, geez, like when you head off and like <laughs> go in these like these five like seven hour runs, they're like, well, what do you eat? Like, do you know I'm like in the morning when I get up, like I eat when I'm hungry, you know, and I kind of go, I might have porridge or I might have like, I could have an old like local breakfast of like eggs and black pudding or something like that. Um, or I might just, if I'm doing an easy session, something like less than 90 minutes, I might just go out faster and go really easy and then eat when I come back and have my porridge when I get back, you know. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, I think when you, when, when, you, when you mention like lower carb to somebody, they think that like, oh God, like you're keto. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm like, I'm a young lad living in Ireland. It's basically impossible to be keto when your mother's throwing spuds and sandwiches at you every day. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I would time my carbohydrate a little bit differently. So my advice to people would be to keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Um, try different approaches. Like for example, um, it's something I recommend to a lot of my clients is if they're training for a marathon, or they're training for a half marathon, you know, their long runs, I would be very, very precise in the weekends and around their long runs and say, so you're doing their long run on a Saturday. It's like, what we're going to do for the next three Fridays is you're going to eat a different dinner, the three Friday nights and a different breakfast each Saturday morning. Then out of the three weekends, you're going to pick which one you feel the best. And you're going to take notes after every session and say, Hey, listen, I actually feel good the morning that I went higher carb and the evening I went lower carb or whatever, you know? And they're like, cool, this works for you. We're going to go with that. We won't change anything the day of the race. So the night before you're going to have chicken pasta. And then that morning you're going to have a small bowl of porridge, a coffee and a banana and off you go. Cause we know that works. So test things out. Don't change too much when you're heading into your event. Um, you know, we can get into gels and all that kind of stuff, but again, they're just kind of external things you can add in, but nail the basics first to be my, my biggest recommendation. That's what I have written down here is that, we have an ultra endurance runner here that has done major feats and you're saying practice the basics. And it's just something I try to hammer home before looking into the supplements, the energy gels, the fantastical kind of things, just do the basics. If you can't nail the basics, the extra 1% little things will have no benefit. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? So I, like people ask me, they're like, what's the number one thing I can do to improve my running? And I'm like, probably sleep a little bit more. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> an extra hour of sleep they're like it's not like an extra interval session or like extra burpee i'm like no no it's it's like sleep a bit more eat maybe eat a bit more do you know what i mean and so people we get very see here's the thing right and i'm not sure if this is the correct thing to say but we um methods in fitness get glamorized the more complicated they are yeah um and i'm just like that's why i don't have a million followers or like a hundred thousand followers because I'm just like, uh, just train hard and recover and then eat well and, and, and just take a day off if you're tired and, and keep repeating that and you'll get to where you want to go. But people seem to glamorize uh, different methods and they, they word it differently. And, you know, even, I presume your, your world of nutrition, it probably does your head in the way sometimes things are portrayed and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, keep it simple, nail the basics with your nutrition and your training. And, you know, you won't, you won't be far wrong. I think you're... 
you're hitting the nail on the head there. But and I think what happens is people aren't consistent enough or they don't give enough time to the basics and they don't achieve their goal. And so then they're looking for this quick fix or this, this new thing that they hadn't tried, this new one step and it's the cure. And that's why these glamorized fitness and nutrition professionals, they get all the followers because they, they're tapping that market and they're tapping it for primarily financial reasons, you know? So that's, that's why it's so essential to be following guys like you and just looking at the basics. I, yeah, I think you, you hit it perfectly there. It's, um, it's one other thing as well. Like when you look at people, like I've worked with a very broad range of people, like, and you know, sometimes I would like, I have a conversation with somebody they're like, Oh, like I'm not seeing any changes or I've tried this and, and, and that. And I was just like, you know, it's, it's, but like, it's probably not the chia seeds that you're not having that, that aren't getting you the results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or it's not the apple cider vinegar or it's not the extra set of dumbbell presses in the gym it's probably the stuff that you're doing outside of training that's maybe holding you back a little bit like your nutrition or your yeah. sleep or your lifestyle management or you know maybe like here's another thing like for with your line of work and this is just for, for me as well like people find it very hard to track their calories accurately do you know what i mean so sometimes we overestimate or we underestimate how much we're actually eating and then you know you've got um don't want to name any brands or i get in trouble but like you've got uh, tracking devices who that are overestimating um, how much calories are being burned through exercise and all that kind of stuff. So it is a bit, it is a bit mad, you know, but I, if you can focus on the basics, sleep well, train hard, recover, educate yourself on, on, on food and then build a good relationship with it. Um, you, you will, you will be successful in, in what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Shane, that's amazing stuff. I couldn't ask for any more there on nutrition. I think that's amazing. Cause there's a lot of people reaching out to me, asking me about just simple things. And I, I don't really have a lot of knowledge around marathon or long distance running. So this sure. is amazing. And I'll just refer yeah. them to this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, as well, like there's, there's the thing about it is, um, you know, I, I think for, for, for endurance, like specific endurance training, um, like if you go to something like the Dublin marathon expo or something like that, which I'm at every year, it's bizarre, like to see the people, and this is not uh, picking on any particular group of people, but like, um, the people that would like, they're taking the free beetroot shots and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm just like, and they're taking the gels and the sample of this and the sample of that, and they're stuffing them all into them the day before the race. And I'm just like, yeah, look what you eat the day before a hard training session or a long day or what you eat that morning is very important. But what you eat the other 364 days is also mm -hmm. really, really important. Do you know what I mean? So like what I always try, and I think you, you probably agree with this. What I always try to get people to do is that like, they're like, Oh, what's the best diet for ultra running? I'm like, there is, there is, there is none, you know, it's, it's, it's a 365 day job. It's, you know, I, again, I, like I said, I'm very slow to give nutritional advice, but my advice would be to anybody that isn't that is kind of stuff is to work on your relationship with food first, then educate yourself by following people like yourself and understand that there are more ways than one and that you will have to like test things out. You will have to try things. You will have to go out on long runs and make an absolute balls of it and yeah. like just bonk and hit the wall and walk home. I've done it plenty of times. I'm not afraid to do it again because I want to test things out and try different things out. Like they say, you should be taking a gel every 20 minutes. If I took a gel every 20 minutes, I'd be getting sick. Yeah. You know what I mean, I would take one maybe every hour or like, like last week I did a long day in the hills. And I just brought them with me. Didn't really plan on when I was going to take them. I just had them there. Caffeine gels. I was like, if I need something, if the, my, my mind starts to wander, if I need something, I have it. Do you know what I mean? So um, on long days like that, I kind of just eat intuitively. I don't, I'm not like, okay, every minute or every 15 minutes going to take something. I'm just like, look, I'm out for the day you know, I'll pick away or whatever. I'm not too, not too bothered. I'm not too regimented, but for something like a marathon and stuff, you, you test, you know, don't go, don't change your nutritional strategy on the day. Um, and just cause you're passing an aid station and they're handing out gels doesn't mean you have to have one. Um, one really good tip that you won't see online or you won't read in a book anywhere is research the place that you're doing the race. So for example, if you're going to do the Valencia marathon and there is aid stations every three miles or every five miles or whatever it might be three miles usually in the big cities you know and every second one has got a gel at it um you should practice in training taking a gel at mile six mile 12 mile 18 mile 24 because that's when they're available to you at the race and then little things as well like research what gels they give out order a box of them and train with them 
Um, so just little things like that, you know, are, are quite important and just small things that people don't think about but can have a, like a, a pretty big effect, you know. Yeah, Jesus, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, keep, specificity, keep like yeah, specificity. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's all for my questions. <laughs> I want you to tell me how everyone can reach out to you, or not yeah. reach out to you, just find you where they can find you online and kind of what uh, projects you have going on. Sure, they can find me online um, on my website is shanefin.com, uh, and then on social media it's kind of shanefin on everything really. I'm most active on. Uh, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So uh, I don't really use anything else to be honest. Um, I do have a Facebook group called Run With Shane that's kind of full of runners and stuff like that and people from all over the world. So it's all kind of running based and things like that. It's pretty fun, it's free. And we've got some really cool stuff in there. Um, so if anybody's into their running, they're more than welcome to come and say hello there. Um, projects in the future, not really too sure, to be honest. I mean, I don't have any big, major, major events planned in the next couple of years. Uh, it was due to go spend some time in America, um, but I am just you know, waiting for the craziness of the world to die down and hopefully heading out to Colorado, out, out to the Rockies uh, in, in Boulder for a while. Um, so yeah, to be honest, in the future, I kind of see myself splitting my time between Boulder, kind of New York and, and, and Dingle. So that's fun too. And like, you know, I always get asked like, where did you see yourself in five years? I'm like, I don't even know what's going to be going on the next five days, but I just hope that I still, I'm still, still healthy, still happy and still enjoying what I do. That's, that's the goal. Love it. Love it. I read your, uh, I read your article. I think you did an interview with someone in the uh, examiner and at the end you finished the article by just saying people that annoy you are those who can't wake up every day and appreciate what they have just by being able-bodied. And I guess that comes from your cousin, you know, yeah. just to have that appreciation for just being alive and well another day. Mm. I actually, um, I got in trouble about two years ago one day um, in my fr best friend's coffee shop in Dingle because um, this, uh, I don't know, I was supposed it was going through and I, it's a nice little thing to end it on. On that note, you know, I remember saying like, uh, like every, people are like, oh, it's a bit weird. But every morning that you get to wake up and put your two feet on the floor, it is a win. Like the day, that day could be shit and everything could go wrong. You could lose your job, your car could go on fire, your wife could leave you. I don't care, whatever. But if you still get to put your feet on the floor the next day, you're, you're doing okay. You're yeah. doing better than some people. Um, and I just realized that from the last couple of years, doing so much work with the charity and meeting so many people. I mean, there was people on our crew in the 24 marathons that aren't alive. And, and they couldn't come to America for the finish. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so that's why for me, it's it's really like it's really important just to have that mindset. No matter. Look, I'm I'm, I'm an ambitious guy. I've got a lot of plans in the future with business and stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, like my health is my wealth. And just going back to that coffee shop incident, you know, I was uh, sitting in the coffee shop, just minding my own business, doing a bit of work on my laptop, and um, you know, this this girl like lost her lost the head in the middle of the coffee shop because she complained her cappuccino wasn't wasn't hot enough. And I just turned around to her and I said, are you effing serious? Like, that's really what you're giving out about right now is that your, your cappuccino isn't warm enough. Anyway, I apologize for the end, but I just have one of those moments as like, people just have no idea. Like, they get wrapped how, up in it, yeah. How lucky they are, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's just the way I kind of look at things and that's the way I hope to continue looking at things going forward, you know, and no matter what happens, um, I'll continue to, to just keep running and just keep helping people, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus. That's, that's class. That's a class way to end it. It is. Good way. Can, can it any better than that now? Yeah. So I suppose we'll call it there. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Shane. Very, very enjoyable. I'm going to put this straight up. I'm not going to... That was just perfect. Like we have a bit of motivation, kind of speaking at the class. start, going through your journey and then a bit of nutrition and then just that little tidbit at the end. It's perfect. Sweet, man. Thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. So as I said, you can see that this fella is an absolute operator. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. I thoroughly did. I'm going to get my gear on and go straight to the gym because I am rocking right now. I'm on a very nice high just from my first guest podcast. But yeah, I think uh, there was a lot to take away from this and I hope you did. But I just want to make a quick announcement because this is coming out right in the middle of my giveaway. And that is that I am holding a very generous giveaway, if I do say so myself, where I am providing a free nutritional guide that is personalized to a degree. It's not completely personalized because I simply wouldn't have the time to do that. I already have 80 programs 
that I've been putting together. So I give that, I offer that to every single person that gets involved in the giveaway. And that is on my Instagram at Ubuntu Nutrition, which a lot of you might be following. And that actually might be why you're here. If you are and you're a new listener, welcome. If you haven't gotten involved, share it, get on it. I think it's fantastic because there are also some amazing prizes. A Fitbit, a Nutribullet blender, a stir fry pan, some cookbooks, one from Daniel Davey, who was, who is the Dublin sports performance nutritionist. And obviously we have two Joe Wicks books and then I have, I'm offering a four week coaching program with myself. So yeah, a lot to offer, I think. And the fact that everyone gets a, a guide and a, a meal guide as well, an additional meal guide from me. I think that's very, very generous, but that's all. And there's one last thing I will say is I am preparing to launch a, I'm calling it the Ubuntu weight loss journey rather than a challenge because it's not a challenge where people logging, they're logging their weights and competing against each other and doing daily weigh-ins against each other. It's just a challenge. It's, it's like a group movement, a movement. That's a good one. Actually, maybe I should have called it that, but anyway, Hindsight's 2020. I'm planning to launch that and the signups are starting mid-September and we're going to rock with it the start of October. And it's a six-week challenge. It's 100 euro, but there's an early bird price of 80 euro each. The reason I'm doing it is so that I can provide a service to a lot of people for an affordable price. Okay, and I think a lot of people would love to work with a nutritionist to improve their nutritional knowledge. They just don't have the money to spend on it because if you look around the market, even at my own prices, I know that they're quite expensive for some and for others not. But yeah, so I think that's a really good opportunity for people who haven't worked with a nutritionist before and are interested in maybe trying it out. So if you are interested in that, just head over to my Instagram channel. I post regularly about it. Give me a message or email me at ubuntunutrition at gmail.com and I'll send you the link. The pre-sale email is on my website. So if you go to my website, you can find the information about that as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took some knowledge or tidbits from this. I certainly did. And have a fantastic Friday and weekend. Peace.